Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Hiya, friends. Good to have everybody with us again. Welcome, welcome to episode 34 of the Rise and Run podcast. We're delighted that you're here with us. Sitting here in what was supposed to be thunderstormy Florida, I'm Bob. I'm here this evening with John. How you doing? Doing good. John with Greg. Hey, hey, hey. With Jack. Hi. With Lexi. Hi. And from New Hampshire. Is it still cold in New Hampshire, Allie? No, it was 90 degrees today. <laughs> and it'll be 62 tomorrow. Allie's with us from up in New Hampshire. Hi, Hello Allie. from frosty New Hampshire. From sometimes frosty New Hampshire. All right, friends, we, we've got what we think is a very interesting and entertaining show for you today. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time, we had a chance to interview a couple of our friends who finished the Keys 100-mile race. And I think you'll find that, I think you'll find their stories really intriguing and uh hopefully inspiring. But before we get to them, hey, John, are folks still sending us reviews? Yes, they are. We got two new reviews. Cool. Uh, new fan, Justin in Boston. So happily, I discovered this podcast. I'm returning to Disney in 2023 for my fourth full Disney marathon, and this will help me feel connected to the Disney community leading up to January. Justin in Boston. That's great, Justin. Look us up, buddy. We're going to see you we get there, we will all be there doing one of the runs or another. So we look forward to seeing you there. What else we got, John? Amy M2011. Awesome for long runs. So excited to have found another fun podcast for long runs. Such an easygoing group of people talking about the best topics, running and Disney. Very entertaining and make those training runs fly by. Thanks for the great content. That's great, Aww. Amy. I'm glad that helps the training runs because we're about to have a whole bunch of them coming up. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's that's cool. You know, gang, one of these one of these podcasts we have to talk about. I think some of the other podcasts we listen to while we're doing these long training runs because some of the long training runs get really long. But but we'll let that go. That'll be a topic to get uh, we'll get into as we get closer and closer to the start of official training. So for all of you run Disney fans out there, I know a lot of us have been anxiously waiting, you know, those of us who are going the charity bib route, whether that's for, you know, wine and dine or marathon weekend. Uh, you know, I know myself included, I've been on pins and needles, you know, we keep getting correspondence from our various charities about, you know, when are they going to go on sale? When are they going to go on sale? I'm happy to report, at least from my end, on uh, Give Kids the Road that I officially now do have my uh, fundraising page started for the Dopey Challenge. So at least I got that monkey off my back and yeah. started the registration process. When I did that, I reached out to a couple of other friends, uh, including our friends over at the Will Run For podcast. And on the same day that I got my information from Give Kids the Road, I guess uh, American Cancer Society sent theirs out as well. So if you are looking to 
run one of these races on behalf of a charity know that it sounds like the Disney lawyers have finally signed off on the paperwork and those contracts have been signed. Uh, so just, you know, stay tuned to your inbox. You know, again, if you did reach out or if you're on a wait list or something like that. Uh, but, you know, just wanted to pass along the, you know, that, that good uh, tidbit of news. Yeah. I know. I know you're glad to hear that. I know you're anxious. I'm glad to hear it too. You got and I got my charity on. page set up as well too. And I'm wondering, maybe we can do um, a podcast sometime for other people that are doing charities about some ideas that they could do to raise some money. I think that's a great idea. I think that would be fine. So that's something we can look forward to. Um, speaking of those, Greg, your Peloton challenge ends. Actually, by the time the uh, podcast drops, it will be over. It actually ends today as we're recording this, which I'm a little surprised you're not sitting on your Peloton trying to crank out some last minute miles. But uh, how, how, how's that going to end up? Well, you know, I, I did think about that, and unfortunately, just life got in the way as usual. Although I did take John's advice, so when we had our Zoom get together last Thursday, I decided I did the "just ride" feature of the Peloton, where it's just a blank screen, but you know, records all of your stats and everything like that, and hooked up my Bluetooth headphones, logged into the Zoom call on my phone, and I just rode, you know, while everyone chatted about shoes and races and hotels and everything like that now granted there was a conversation that started about whether or not you should get your gideon's cookies uh from <laughs> disney springs or drive out to the other one by the airport that made that portion of the ride uh, a little difficult so i was able yeah. to get 20 miles in then uh so again john thank you for uh the good idea to, to hop on then but um unfortunately Tom is going to win this one. Uh, he damn well deserves it. Uh, you know, especially you know with his running injury, obviously needs to do something you know to to keep his body in shape and everything like that. So, Tom, congratulations! Now, I will say this: we finally were able to get our joint ride in. We did that on Memorial Day. I want to thank uh, you know the couple of listeners from both our podcast and theirs who joined us for that one. That was a lot of fun, giving out high fives uh, during the course of that ride. But I will say this. Tom, you won the marathon, but I smoked you in the sprint. So okay. uh, I, I had a lot of fun with that. And again, as I mentioned last week, there's a lot of months between now and Dopey. We very well might do this again. Uh, so if we do, we will be sure to let you know. But um, Tom, congratulations. Well-deserved victory. Yeah, Tom, good job. Tom and Greg, well done, both of you, really. That's a nice thing that both of you did. And we've had fun with it. But for now, it's over. Friends, we got some special guests with us tonight. Folks, I'm really excited to talk with. Now, let's put something into perspective here. <laughs> Those of you that are getting ready for Dopey, that's 48.6 miles in four days. That's a lot of running. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that Jack and Brittany did the Lake Sonoma 50-miler. And Brittany kept saying, well, what the heck? I did dopey and now I'm just doing it in one day. But Jamie and Adam either accomplished or tried to accomplish something I think is incredible. And that's a hundred mile race event. Jamie, Adam, welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. We're glad you're here and we're looking forward to hearing this story. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> you're welcome. It's uh it's it's a great it's I'm intrigued and I know the rest of the gang is too. 
we're going to get to the event pretty quickly, but let's back up to before the event. And first of all, guys, how do you train for a hundred mile event? Uh, good question. First, go talk to Chris Twiggs. <laughs> okay, that's a good start. <laughs> yeah, so from a training perspective, you know, they break it up pretty good. Um, Chris Chris is wonderful. He put together an amazing plan that, uh, that we all followed um, almost to a T. And, uh, you know, you, you ramp up miles just like a normal race, getting ready for a marathon and whatnot, except you, you throw in uh, double day weekends and then eventually triple day weekends. Um, which you, you, you start doing 20 miles back to back and then for hundred mile you do another back. So the worst, <laughs> call it the worst, but the, the longest we've done for training was uh, a triple 20 weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday kind of thing. Jamie, you re- you did the same training. I know you're Jamie and, and, uh, Adam are both in customized training. And so is Tony, who unfortunately was going to be with us. Tony was running with Adam. Unfortunately, Tony had some technical problems and isn't with us tonight. But uh, back to you, Jamie. Same training plan with Chris? Yeah, I uh, yes. Between doing that and I, I tried to steal as much as I could from Tony and Adam uh, with the uh, relentless emails and texts and, you know, what are you doing and how are you doing it? And uh, But uh, this is my fifth time now, so... Uh, I, I also incorporated some of what I had done in the past that I felt worked really well, but th- there's no question that the, uh, uh, that, that Chris's plan, it's much easier on the body. It allows for, uh, I think a, a much greater chance of success for sure. So you actually guys already answered, uh, one of my questions, which was how did you ever do like three consecutive long runs or was it just a back to back? But my other question for you is what was the longest amount of miles that you did in one day? Uh, that would be 30. So that'd be a 10, really? 10, 10. Yeah. You take a two to four hour break in between each 10. Uh, and that's actually the last two weeks prior to the event. That's the last run that, that we had done. Did you do any other ultra races in preparation for this one? Or was it specifically just the Chris Twigs training plan? Uh, having done it in the past, I, I kind of tried to avoid doing anything else prior to that. Um, in the past I had done, I'd mixed in Ironmans and and other things because I thought there is nothing more brutal than a hundred. So what, you know, what's an Ironman going to do or what's a, you know, what's a, what's a Disney race going to do. But I I've learned as I've gotten older and, and more decrepit and not quite as intelligent (laughs) that, uh, that, you know, trying to avoid anything else, just focusing solely on, uh, on the training plan. And, and I also, again, I, you know, I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but I, I definitely followed a lot of the lead from, uh, Tony and Adam and trying to gauge what their level of commitment, uh, was not just to the plan, but, um, outside of the plan and, and really wanted to stick with what they were doing because the precision that those two operated with when they were running was, it was staggering. And I've said this to Adam many times, but, um, and I'm sure it'll be something that we, we bring up again in a little while, but, uh, I, I've, I, I don't know that I've seen that kind of, uh, that kind of precision, uh, that the two of them demonstrated together. And the interesting thing was, is that they're many, many hundreds of miles apart yeah, and still managing to be able to do that. It was, it was very impressive. I would say for, for training outside of the plan, the only thing that we did, we did our first 50, uh, the Hatchy 50, just over a year prior. 
And for the heat training or the first flavor of heat training, we did the Pinellas Trail Challenge Labor Day weekend of last year. Uh, and that was really a kind of a wake up call to what we could potentially expect um, during the race itself. Yeah, that uh, Pinellas Trail is on the west coast of Florida. And that's a 46 from, mile race. Yeah, it runs from St. Petersburg all the way up to Tarpon Springs. So I guess my question is the same as Alicia's question. So Alicia's not with us tonight. And she sent me a, a question that was the same one that popped in my head is like, even doing a marathon is a long distance. And doing an ultra, doing 50 miles is an insane distance. How did you know you wanted to do 100 miles? That just seems like an impossible thing to do. And how did you, what possessed you to do it? Like, how did you know when you finished a 50 miler? Were you like, I want to do 100? Or were you just, was it something you always wanted to do? Like, how did you get into that frame of mind? So um, after Dopey, doing Dopey for the first time, which is how I found Chris, um, I pushed the commit button and started to freak out. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then after that, um, it just slowly started creeping into the longer distances. Like this did a 50 K was the first thing that we did after that was actually uh, Marine Corps 50 K. We did it virtually, but in person up there during COVID Um, just ran on the outside of all the courses to, to do as much as possible. And from there did another one. And then we, we, we were going to do another 50, but uh, with COVID couldn't get in and the Hatchy 50 opened up um, for me to get in. So that's how I started the, the longer distance. Um, we didn't decide to do the Keys 100 until after doing that 50. Uh, Chris really helps through all of that decision making. Um, he, he, he talked us through you know, the transition differences going from a marathon to a 50k and then from a 50k to a 50 miler and then from a 50 up to 100 and it was a really interesting uh understanding that you know going from a, a marathon to a 50k really isn't that much more five miles no, i mean another, you can yeah. you can put that together um with a very similar training plan to a marathon um but the hardest transition which is strange to me is going he said going from a 50k to a 50 miler is harder on the body mentally and physically because you have to think and run differently because the nutrition changes drastically during that. Um, and then uh, talking to Chad uh, from the program too, he said going from 50 to hundred, it's just rinse and repeat. Uh, sounds easy enough, but uh, you know, in, in practice it's, you know, it's, it's tough, but yeah, that's, that's essentially the same training, just more of it. That's interesting. It sounds like you got a lot of support too from, CTP because other people have done that. And so it's like having that as a, as a support system sounds really good. Okay. So Adam, that's how you decided to do a hundred. Jamie, you've, you told us you have entered hundreds before, right? This uh, was, yes, you sir. said your fifth one. Yes, sir. This is, this was my fifth. And, and I think like every great story, mine started with a girl. Ah, uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I started, tell us more. (laughs) I started dating a girl who, um, who was a running fool and she talked me into, uh, into, um, running the, uh, keys 100 relay, the the six man. Yeah. And, uh, I did it and it was, of course I had a ball. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, the camaraderie, every bit of it was wonderful, but, uh, like most dumb men, I, 
also at the same time looked out the van window when I wasn't running and saw, uh, you know, when you see somebody doing the hundred, at least for me, when I saw it, you saw the kind of focus, um, the drive, the determination that um, there's just hunger. It's just full on hunger. And um, uh, I had decided in the van halfway through, long before we had even gotten to the seven mile bridge, that this was the path I was going to choose. And I also knew that at my age, um, my days of being the hare were long gone. And the only way that I was ever going to win races anymore uh, was the tortoise and the hare. And I had to be the tortoise and just outlast everybody. Just keep going, and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so attrition is my friend. And I knew the hundred, uh, you know, I'm from the Keys. I'm from Key West. So oh. um, uh, I knew the heat. Uh, I would come up and run where Adam is and do the Disney runs and so forth. And those hills which, you, you know, people up north laugh at, but those hills right. in Orlando, they're devastating for a guy <laughs> from Key West. They're, they're awful. But um, when you guys come down to Key West or to any of the Keys to run, and you, you know, you, it's, I'm going to get you every time because the heat is just going to zap you. So I thought, well, this is my path. This is, this is the way that the old man can do it. And um, from there on out, that was, and I agree with, I agree with, what Adam said, the dis- difference between a 50 and a hundred for me, um, I, I don't, I never really, and I don't know if this was the same way for Adam w- when he did his hundred, but I don't really settle in until 20 or 25 miles in anyways. I don't really, f- I mean, you find your zone within the first few miles, but you really don't settle in and just tune everything out. You, you know, I, for me, I take the headphones off at around mile 20 and, and then it's just taking in nature and taking in the run. And so that's, that's what the, for me, that's why I go down the road of the hundreds. Now we, we talked about training and getting to the start line, Adam, you got to the start line relatively healthy, right? You were feeling good. The healthiest I've been for any race. Oh, that's great. Jamie, not so much for you though. <laughs> no, geriatricism is uh, catching up. Oh, oh, cut it out. <laughs> but, uh, but but you had injured yourself not long before the run, right? Uh, about two and a half weeks prior to start, I uh, ruptured the medial band of my plantar fascia, the fascia, and um, uh, we. Ouch! It, it, it's the funniest thing, you know, because it was I, as as Adam was just saying, um, we do the three twenties, you do the three tens in one day, and then the next weekend you do the three twenties. And uh, it was probably two days after that where I was just walking up my driveway and uh, there was no there was no event. There was nothing. It just all of a sudden it felt like somebody was driving a nail into the bottom of my foot and it just dumb luck. And so we went uh, because, again, I'm a boy and we're we do stupid things. Um, We went full on uh, into trying to treat the thing. And, you know, we did everything from steroids to PRP and, um, uh, cryotherapy and all the stuff we could do. And by the time start, the start day happened, um, I, I was feeling pretty good. And, uh, Tony gave me about a five minute, uh, foot blessing, which, um, was, was pretty special. Um, and, and I will say, you know, the doctors, they all said I had no chance that I wouldn't, they wouldn't hold up for a mile. Um, but it, it held up for almost 13 miles, about 12 and a half miles. 
Uh, and then before. it started to hurt. Uh, well, it was, it was, it, that was a singular event where there was a pop in uh, a vibration in my knee. And then, um, and again, because we're boys, we do stupid things. I just powered through. <laughs> I knew, I knew Adam was coming behind me. <laughs> I thought I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> I, you know, I never would consider doing a hundred mile event. I might do it as a team, but uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it completely. We had we had decided um, we had figured out the math because Adam and Tony were running between 45 seconds to a minute per mile faster than I was, and my start was about I think it was about 45 minutes before theirs. So we had kind of figured out the math on when they were going to run me down. And it was, you know, I just, it, in my head, it was like Top Gun where I'm, I'm running and I know that they're coming, they're coming. And there is no way the man in me, there's, there's and Adam, you know, he's very scientific and he's, he's, he's very deep. And so he had, you know, it should be right at mile 20, maybe, maybe a few minutes before mile 20. And sure enough, I mean, like 19.9. <laughs> there they are. They, they come running up on me. God knows. Um, wow. Wow. But th- yeah, that whole 19 miles was they're coming, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. I, I get it. I get it. And you're pushing, you go, they're not going to get me out of here. Yeah. I get it. I'm I not, get it. They're not going to get me before 20. There's no way. Yep. yep. I understand 100%. I want to get you guys into talking about the event itself. I got one more leading question, though. Did you get any sleep the night before? I did. Yes. I, yeah, I, I ate well and, uh, uh, I, I went, I got there on a Wednesday. So I had three days to just really get in the, in the zone and in the place, uh, which, which made all the difference in the world. We got there about uh, a day extra or day, day earlier. And, uh, the first night didn't sleep well, but the night before the race, I got about six hours and That's pretty instead, good. it's not bad. Because the first night I woke up feeling exhausted. And then before the race, I felt like, hey, I could have kept sleeping, but I'm all right. <laughs> because to be honest with you, I think I was up at like 4.30 or 5 just so I could track you guys. Oh, man. Guys, you're at the start line. The gun goes off. Tell us about the event. Who wants to start? Jamie, you want to start? Sure you, you, sure. you started first in the event, so you might as well start first in the description here. Sure. Uh, my, my start was uh, just after 530 in the morning. So it's, it's dark. And uh, I was, uh, it's funny, I was feeling really very good. Um, uh, and, and the energy was good. They run, they, this year is by far and away the best year. They were really organized, really proficient, very professional. Uh, and the mood this year was the best that I had ever experienced where it seemed like everybody just sort of left their egos at home. And this was, uh, going to, it was just going to be a positive experience. Can, can I interrupt just a second? Please. Had this thing been stopped by COVID over the last couple of years? Was this the first they, time back? They dropped it, uh, last year they restarted it, but the year prior to that, they had, they had to cancel it. Um, and, and last year there were a lot of restrictions that people weren't accustomed to and they uh. had gotten rid of, uh, the, the, the traditional, uh, packet pickup and the check-ins and the, and the group meetings and so forth. And they really went full virtual. Whereas this year they went back to a really nice big packet pickup and people could talk and interact and friends could see each other. We saw lots of people we knew and it, it, that part was really nice. And, um, 
and and so it was a good it was a for me it was a good start it was a good i was a little intimidated because this was the first year that uh in a few years that Allie had come back and Allie, who's ali velsey she's the record holder for that race in pretty much every single division um she's uh she's shockingly shockingly fast um and she of course adam and tony and i are sitting there and we're trying to you know summon up the courage to actually toe up on this thing. And, and you see Allie walk by and she's, you, you can just feel almost the superstardom aura that goes around her. Um, and she, the frustrating part is like I said, she's, she's a little bit younger than I am. And she had come back to this race uh, for the first time in a few years because she had just given birth to twins and um, was going to run the hundred at like a six thirty minute mile, you know, just so we That's were all incredible. just sort of laughing at each other. That's incredible. <laughs> so I had this idea of that I would start the race, you know, because everybody starts really casual and, and relaxed, of course, because it's a hundred mile race. So I thought it, le- it would be really funny to just as soon as the, as soon as he said go to just sprint out of there like I was a thirteen year old kid at, <laughs> at, at PE and just watch everybody think oh look at this fool. <laughs> Not but yeah. um, once it once we started again, I just went into the mode of just trying to settle myself and and knowing it was they're coming, they're coming. I got mm. I got to make sure I get that twenty uh-huh. miles. <laughs> uh-huh. That's crazy. That's great. I like that. Okay, Adam. So now you're going. Let's get out to the first twenty miles when you when you finally when you finally catch up with Jamie who's been doing his best to hold you off. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, started off nice and easy. We were right in our groove right from the start. Um we had our ratio 60-30 planned, ready to go. Um we had our our, our crew set for coolers of ice and all this stuff to be dousing us with because he knew it was gonna be hot. Um, and it went pretty smooth um, for the first 20 miles. It was it was really really just cruise control. It took maybe maybe 10 miles to fully loosen up. Um, just a little hip annoyance, but nothing major. Um, and then uh, yeah, we I really surprised me to see to to to, to see Jamie right at 20. We I was like nah, maybe a little bit longer, but boom, he had it nailed. And we saw him. Was like hey, we stopped for a minute, ran for a little bit together, and. That was the twenty mile mark. And just kept, I'm not like, laughing. It was you, like you the said, cheetah and the gazelle, where I was the gazelle looking <laughs> back, and the cheetah's just running after me, and I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mentioned a hip annoyance. I started to chuckle. I wasn't chuckling at your hip annoyance before you started, Adam. I sent you a text message, and you texted back, "Yeah, Tony and I just completed our uh, our warm up," and I'm thinking, warm up for a hundred mile event. <laughs> What kind of a warm up do you do for a hundred miler? Yeah, so uh, you said uh, your support crew. Uh, for this race, there's no aid stations. They were self supported. Normally there are, right, Jamie? But I think because of COVID, they haven't come back yet. So they forced you to have a crew, or you couldn't run. Yeah, and I th- I I talked to Bob, and it and it sounds like that's how it's going to be from now on. That there will n- no longer be uh, any aid stations or. Uh, on on road assistance of any kind is there stops where the aid stations would be or is just you could stop anywhere the stops are about every two and a half miles where you they have uh delegated because it's one road in and one road out so they have to be this has to be very controlled just from an organizational standpoint for the county and the cities but um about every two and a half to three miles 
there's uh, designated uh, rest areas or, or tra- transfer areas if you're doing the relay. And, and uh, that's where your crew will meet you with food, water, ice, whatever you need, or you would, you would transition over. And then uh, every 25 miles, is a timing mat and every uh there's also a timing mat at like 10 and at 80 and and uh at those places that they always had uh in the past they always had medical crews as well as food and and drink but all of that's gone now adam and looking at some of your photos that you know you had posted post race you know i i saw you know like the photos on the bridge and obviously it's just you the road and a lot of open water both of you talk to me about the, the the mentality that you had to go through in terms of, you know, since there really is no race supported, you know, support stations that like, you know, what if you pulled a hammy and, you know, you're stuck in this, you know, middle of this highway and, you know, what is the process that happens there? And when, you know, what went through your heads as you were going through those stretches of the race where again, it's just you, the road and a lot of open water. Yeah. So, so that, that, <laughs> If, if we ever got injured, I mean, we had cell phones on us. The coverage was good. So we could we could at least pick up the phone and, and say help. Um, and there was a really well-structured plan for the crews to communicate with the race directors and support and all the, uh, the marshals. Um, but yeah, if if you were in between knowing your, where your crew is and they didn't track you, then you would have to humble your way to a safe spot and find a way to get to your crew. Um but there, there, was, there was just a lot of spots. They, they really organized it well. And they were very strict for good reasons. They want to save their license. They don't want to lose it. Um, so there, you were not allowed to stop at a non-designated crew spot without potentially getting fined time. Like they would add time to your run. Okay. Or kick you out. Yeah. And the nice thing about this particular run is that there are very clear, large, wide open paths the whole way with the exception of uh, really, uh, and, and I talked to Adam about this before the race, Adam and Tony, the seven mile bridge is a little bit scary. Uh, if you don't get to the seven mile bridge before uh, sunset, uh, you're, you're now at dark. There, There's a very short, small easement and key in the Florida Keys at, at dark on a Saturday night and people like to partake and you start running, you know, it, uh, there's swerving and texting and craziness and it makes you a little nervous, but the rest of that whole hundred miles is just, it's, it's really nice open. Uh, so you're, you're in a pretty safe bed. And, and like with Adam, I had with my crew, uh, uh, I brought an air tag and just stuffed an air tag in my, uh, in, in my shorts. And so they could always see the moment there was any kind of stop, stoppage of movement or anything and they would be able to turn around and drop anything off the oh i see yeah okay cool so uh the bridges were they close to traffic or you're at a side road that you can go on they were wide open seven mile was 55 miles an hour and we had five feet to run on the left side at facing traffic but it was coned so they did about every 50 what do you think 50 yards 50 feet something like that 25 yards maybe they had a cone so that helped. I, I actually didn't feel unsafe there. Again, we passed, we went over it when it was light out. We finished it in the dark. Like the last mile was, yeah, was right. at dusk. Yeah. Cause I, I was still tracking and Adam, you got there around 715, 720, something like that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember reading 
the, the race instructions. And oh, by the way, when Jamie refers to Bob, that's not me. He's talking about Bob Becker, the race director down there. I, I didn't want that get that confused. But also uh, I the really fast the, runner, the really fast runner named Allie was not me. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. It could have been, but that's okay. But I remember reading that at seven thirty, you had to have uh, you had to be lit up, and even though that wasn't sunset, it, there's still plenty of light at seven thirty. That was just the rule that you had to be lit up. And the other interesting thing is that's where I lost you when, and in terms of tracking, and I was tracking quite a bit when you got on Seven Mile Bridge. I just assumed the coverage, the cell phone coverage, stopped. I don't know, but I I lost you there. Yeah, my uh, my cell phone of all times, the SIM card, decided to go flaky. So right at the beginning of Seven Mile Bridge, it just said no SIM card installed. Um, oh. I didn't see it until afterwards, and I had to reboot the phone for it to start yeah. working again. Yeah, because um, I caught you on the other side of the bridge. When I woke up early the next morning, I said, oh, good. But then, well, and then it said you had stopped, and I, but that's okay. <laughs> that's That's no big deal. Before you get there, though, and I read Tony made a long post on Facebook today. And again, I'm sorry he's not here. I was looking forward to talking with him, too. And he talked about, let's see, we've kind of taken you guys from 20. You're heading along into the night. Then you go through this place called Hell's Tunnel. Tell us about Hell's Tunnel. Hell's Tunnel is a stretch uh, just before you get to Marathon. It's in between Grassy oh, Key and Marathon. Okay. So it's about, uh, it starts at around uh, 44 miles in, um, uh, 43 miles in, and it runs for about four or five miles. And it used to be, uh, it, it had a well-deserved name because it was on both sides of, uh, of the path, there were mangroves, very thick mangroves that ran about 25 feet high and almost made a complete arch over the paths, and, which you would think is nice because it, uh, it, it keeps you out of the sun. But all, the of sun, this, but yeah, all of this, like the seven mile we were just talking about and, and trying to get there before the end, it, it's all you have to do a bunch of strategy here. You don't want to come out too fast because you 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 obviously will wear yourself out. But if you go too slow, you're running in the dark on the seven mile, little things like that. And in the case of Hell's Tunnel, it's called Hell's Tunnel because really the hundred milers, they really hit that area at around the hottest part of the day. Um, So there's no wind, it's uh, stagnant, dead air, and um, it can be awful, absolutely awful. Yeah. I imagine it traps the humidity in there too. Yes. Yeah. And there's another area uh, just about 10 miles prior to that long key, that long key stretch where um, that's where the sidewalk is is actually about six or seven feet below the road. So you're running for about four or five miles, usually around one o'clock to three o'clock in the afternoon in the heat where you're the car exhaust on US one is just pummeling you for those four or five miles. And thank gosh, there's right after that, you have the Long Key Bridge, which is sort of like this. Uh, I don't know if it was that way for, for Adam and Tony, but for me, every year I've done it, it's been this like life-saving moment where you get on the bridge and now you've got fresh air and wind blowing on you and uh, nobody, there's no cars running next to you. It's, it's just, you've got about four miles of just loveliness. But those, those two areas are pretty brutal. 
want to talk about the heat for a little bit. Obviously, you know, both of you living in Florida, you know, being able to train to it is a major, major plus. But I want to talk about it in terms of the gear that you ran with. Um, Adam, I know I saw in your photos, you know, you were in, and Grant, Jamie, I'm sure you're probably the same way, long sleeves, you know, big brimmed hat, you know, with kind of like a little like tape on the back, you know, to you know, help protect your neck. Obviously needed, you know, to protect yourself from the sun, especially, you know, since you, both of you have mentioned, you know, you were running, you know, in these wide open spaces. But does that contribute because, you know, there's not as many places for body heat to escape. Did that take a toll on, you know, your heat level in terms of various parts of the race? And that's why you were always looking for ice or, or how does that factor into the whole dynamic of 100 miles? Great question. Um, so we use the DeSoto long sleeve shirts. Um, again, if Chris ever recommended anything, we bought it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, Good idea. And these were sweat wicking shirts. So once you started sweating, they started working um, and they were basically a big radiator for you. Um, and you would actually, even in the keys, sweat out and dry out my arms faster than I could produce. So when we would hit crew stops, they, we had spray bottles to spray our arms to get them wet uh-huh. so that when the breeze came across, it would cool us down. Um, but yeah, it was, it was all about uh, cooling the, uh, the core temperature of your body and just turning yourself into an efficient radiator. Cause that's what happens. That's why your body's sweating because it's trying to cool off. Well, for me, uh, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm what we call a conch keys trash. Uh, I ran very different in that, um, you know, yeah, Adam and Tony, they were in the long sleeve shirts and the pants and the hats and everything. And I was, uh, in a pair of shorts and running shoes and that was about it. Um, uh, I, I knew that for that one day, uh, and I prep in the sun so that I don't get burned, uh, by the time I do the race. But, um, I, I tried the, the long sleeve shirt. Adam told me about it. I went out and bought it and thought I was going to die. Um, it, it was, it's just so hot. It's just so hot. And, uh, so, uh, for me, it was tr- trying to get as much off of me as I could. And, um, uh, it, it, it works. And the other thing that I do is use, uh, small uh, produce bags that are kind of like a clear mesh. And uh, every two and a half miles, uh, I, I would have a new bag waiting for me and I just wrap it around my hat. It sits on the back of my neck and I can run for two and a half miles before it melts. And that keeps me nice and cool. And, oh, you, you kept ice in there. Good, good, good plan. Yes, sir. It, it, it works very, for me, it worked very well. I never got hot. Okay. So you have your race support and you have your packs with you. And what kind of stuff do you have in your pack during the race? And what kind of stuff do you replenish um, with your race support or that you don't carry with you so that you don't have more stuff on you? So I carried, we, we trained with Tailwind. Um, so we carried that on the, uh, on the main pouches in the front. Um, ended up transitioning to a buy bottle full of ice and water in the back because we were going through tailwind like it was our job. It was amazing <laughs> yeah. how much we were consuming. Sounds like it. Um, but the ice pack in your back, keep you cooler. Um, I did end up carrying a bottle of Biofreeze, the 360 oh, Biofreeze. Yeah. So that if we ever had an issue, which we did, um, we could address it and spray and, and keep moving. Um, and then I would carry uh, gels just to always have them on me. They don't weigh really anything. Um, so I use the goo, goo gels for that. 
Um, and then when we'd see our crew, we wouldn't eat exactly with them. We would want to grab and go. So I would sometimes not be at the right mileage or my stomach's not ready for food or, or whatever. And I'd tuck a banana in the little pouch on the side and, and go with that. How often would you see your crew? Uh, it would between two and four miles, uh, average about every two and a half miles. So it's really good. The race allows for a lot of crew stops. So I, again, I, I, I didn't wear a pack or anything. Uh, I wanted as, as much off of me as possible. And I knew that I was going to see my crew every two and a half to three miles. So I kind of looked at the whole race and I've always looked at it as just a 5k over and over and over. And so at the end of every 5k, everything I need is right there. And so, uh, I, I didn't go on tailwind until, I don't know, Adam would know, but probably two months before the race, uh, I had never really fooled with it that much, but it, it actually, uh, I liked it. I just balanced between, uh, tailwind, Morton and, uh, and, and, and water. And it, it, it worked out very well. I, I could not follow, I can't do the traditional 200 calories, six, uh, 30 to 60 carbs. I, I'm for some reason, I don't know why, uh, I'm significantly lower. So, um, uh, the, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's what I did is basically I looked at every two and a half miles. And again, I, if you've got your phone with you and you've got headphones about every half mile before that mark, when you knew when you were going to meet up with your crew, I would call, um, which my crew was my wife. I would call my wife and say, okay, I would like this, this, and this so that I could just, she, she was waiting for me. I just grab it, throw the ice on, take the food in the water and go. And, and for me, specifics I did, uh, not probably very different from Adam. I, uh, bananas, fig Newtons, applesauce is fantastic. And then the traditional, uh, Adam got me on the Roctane, which, uh, I will say, uh, it, it took me a, a, a good minute to get used to the consistency of it. But after that, I loved it. And the Morton gels are spectacular. They are immediate. They're instant. Uh, I can't say enough good about Morton gels. What did you guys do for the bathroom? If it's all open road, like I'm just trying to think. You don't got no woods. <laughs> That's that. Honestly, truthfully, the bathroom thing is a real issue, especially for the hundred uh, in the keys. It, it's been an ongoing issue, and now it has become the biggest issue in uh, infrastructure and management of the race um, because they've had so many people get caught doing things they weren't supposed to be doing in places, as you well said, are wide out in the open. And, and the locals, you know, uh, that you, you're, you're either basically in a, running through a state park or somebody's front yard. And that's how the entirety of the race is. So uh, when you do something like that, it, it, it takes about 30 seconds before the phones start going and the cops are involved and it's a big mess. So he, he, uh, the, the race director had, porta potties, you know, I would have liked to have seen more, but he had them, uh, you know, maybe every 10 or 15 miles. But um, I, I don't know what Adam uh, and Tony did, but in our case, we had the old camping five gallon bucket with a noodle on the top and a trash can uh, and a trash bag. And you just run into the car real quick, do what you got to do and keep on going. Yeah, they could definitely use some more uh, <laughs> bathroom areas. Yeah, um, it's pretty far apart. Yeah, didn't really have an issue in the first half of the race. I got into a dehydration problem in the first half of the race. I had major cramping on my inner left thigh, um, maybe around 25 
I had to pull because I, I run in full um, compression leggings, 2XU stuff, but they're black. So we were getting hit with the sun and it got to the point where I could just feel it radiating and I had to pull them off. When I did that, uh, just after Channel 5 Bridge, I think it's like 30 something miles, I bent over to go take them off and I had a full Charlie horse seize on my inner thigh. It was off. I was yelling, screaming. Oh, it sounds it terrible. So bad. But luckily got past that. Um, I'll tell you, the salt tablets are what saved our tail. Um, we've never trained with them, but I talked to the, uh, the the expert panel before the race, and she recommended, you know, we're doing good stuff with Tailwind, but it's not enough. And if she hadn't recommended that, we would never have completed the race, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, that's very important. Okay. I'm going to try and put us back into some kind of context. We're at this point, let's say we're 60, 70 miles into the event. Uh, either at or across 70 mile bridge, Jamie, at some point you got to make a really tough call and uh, you, you started injured, but at some point you got to make the tough call and say, I can't finish this thing today. How'd that go down? Well, that's, I will say that's the, you know, the crew, I don't know that there's ever enough said about crewing one of these things because uh, you know, they're up for the same amount of hours that you are They're uh, as they're probably in a much more stressful circumstance because they've got to move the car, get it ready, get all your stuff ready. And the handoff, there's no talking and hanging out. It's you got to go, you got to go. And so there it's hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, stop, hurry up, hurry up. And so for them, you know, it's, it's very difficult. And then in this case, I had made that decision. You know, again, this is my, my fifth time. Um, so I knew what, where the wall was. I knew what ugly was. And really by when it, when it popped around 13, 12 or 13, I kind of figured that I was going to be in trouble. And by the time I got uh, to really grassy key, really hell's hell's tunnel there. um, I, I was doing the math in my head and I had four hours to give on the first 50 and another four hours to give on the second 50. So I still had eight hours of play time before the cutoff would come. Um, but I was looking at my, my timing and, and, and what my per mile was and running it in my head and thinking, uh, this, this is probably, uh, I, I really need to look at this. And I mentioned it to my, my wife, who was my crew and, uh, and is, you know, like most women considerably tougher than I am. And she was just, you know, the, her first response was, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, and so. <laughs> You know, I, I, I kept going and, and then I ran into Dean at around 50 yeah. and, and he hung out with me for a while. And, um, and he was like, you look great. You're moving great. You're on schedule. Everything's going well. And of course, as he's saying this, um, uh, he, you know, he's, he's, he has left Adam and Tony after running with them. He's, uh, clean and showered and looking fantastic and, uh, telling me that I, I I'm doing great. And all I'm thinking is dude. <laughs> yeah i get it um by the time uh, i got to the the start of the bridge i i you know again my wife said there, there's no more talking about this you, you got to go just go suck it up and if you get over the bridge you'll be able to go and i got over the bridge and and i i just i knew 
uh, it was a kooky, and Adam can probably articulate it better than I can, but they had this kooky switch that they've never had before. When you just get over the bridge, they wanted you to cross the road to get to your crew and then cross back, but they stopped us. And as we had just talked about a few minutes ago, you know, when you're in that momentum and then you stop, the cramping sets in, everything starts coming. And she stopped me for, I don't know how long they stopped them, but for probably about two or three minutes, it was just long enough for me to say, this, this is not going to be good. And, um, I went another five miles, but I, I knew even before setting out on that five miles that, uh, the, the, the ship had gone down and it was, you know, it was probably time. And I think I ran that five miles mostly for my wife. It's a tough call. And, and I appreciate you you sharing that with us. Yeah. I I imagine it is. Uh, this event had a, DNF rate of nearly 50%. I think it was like 48 or 49% of those that towed the line. And some people didn't start, which I can understand. There's a variety of reasons for not making it to the start line. Our friend Rob uh, was going to do the 50 miler. He got sick. So he didn't make it to the start line, but the, the did not finish rate in this thing was like 48, 49%. So it was the highest uh, in the, in the history of the race. So I know you already mentioned hitting your wall. Did you guys have multiple walls that you hit? And if you did, how did you overcome them mentally? I had a lot of them. <laughs> uh, I had a cramp wall early on. That was you know, some mental battle. <clears throat> Got the hydration under control and then the legs were fine. And then once getting over a seven mile bridge, and they had mentioned it in the, in the expert panel um, before the race, that that's when the race starts. And it did. It really got hard after that point. So that's where you're, you're crossing. You're at 60. So you got 40 miles to go, 60 under your belt. It's dark. You're tired. Your body's not used to being up as long as it has been. And you know you've got to run through the night. So it's a mental beatdown. And it really affected me for the next, say, 10, 15 miles on that one. Um, we also, because I had to pull those leggings, I started to, to, to get some really nasty pains from chafing. Um, I'll spare you the pictures, but <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> okay, all right. by the end, um, it was inner thigh. It was only inner thigh. Um, all right. by the end, um, I was bleeding and oh, uh, it was goodness. unbelievably painful just to walk and graze your, your, your inner thighs together. And in conjunction with that, I had the, uh, the shin issue that started at 30 miles and then, uh, the, the blisters that, that started after mile 40, I, we were scheduled to take shoe changes at mile 40 and 80. And because of my cramp, I, I skipped the first one. And the second I skipped it, not a mile afterwards, I'm like, I've got a problem. So at mile 42 in the middle of Hell's Tunnel, I changed my first set of shoes, didn't cramp, got lucky. Um, but the blister had already started and it just spread from there. So when you're in the dark and the pain is starting, um, the shin pain, while it was there the whole time, it got overcome by everything else hurting. So we got to a marathon out and Tony took his second, uh, shoe change and it was a long stop. We must've been there 20 minutes. It was a very, very long stop at the car. And I'm sitting there like we're used to, you know, the, you know, 60 seconds in, 90 seconds in, get out, go, get out, go. And, um, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I just want to go. I just want to go. And I'm, I started shivering. Like I started shaking and shivering and my jaw was chattering because we have a 15 mile an hour cross breeze 
82 degree, 50 mile an hour crosswinds, you wouldn't think that'd be a problem, but your body is like coming down off of this, going into a little bit of a shock. So I grabbed my Disney, I brought away my Disney uh, silver blanket and wrapped myself in it. And I was leaning up against the car with my forearms, you know, uh, just with the heat under the car coming and warming me up. I was there for eight minutes and I slept for seven of them standing up against the car. Gee whiz. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was amazing. And then Tony came out. He's like, you ready? I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go. We started, we we had to start back up slowly walking and then a slow shuffle jog and then a full jog. And right after that, um, we felt, we felt like a million bucks. It was like the race just started. I was like, we just came out of, I was, I was yelling and I was hooting and hollering. I was high-fiving people. I would see our crew the next stop. They're like, (laughs) where'd you guys go? Where's our runners? Cause they're not here. (laughs) Um, That was really cool. I was looking forward to going through the the valleys and and coming out of them. That was a a really neat experience to go through. Wow. You, uh, Jamie, you mentioned Dean. I don't want to leave him out of this because I know he was a part to help uh, both you guys. Uh, he joined up and did some running with you, some pacing with you. I can't articulate yeah, because I had never met Dean, and we we had only spoken briefly in the in the in the in the, in the meetings. And I, of course, I've done a thousand races uh, and seen all the cowbells and all that stuff. But I I don't I I would guess that it was the same way for Adam and Tony. I was uh, probably the, honestly, the best moment in that race was when I got to around 30 or 31 and I, we were coming around a bend and, uh, in the mangroves, there's this big sign that's gotta be two or three feet by two or three feet. And it says, you know, go Jamie. And I'm thinking, Holy cow, somebody else is named Jamie. In this <laughs> and as I get closer and closer, I see Judy's face who I'd oh, only Judy ever seen on a right on a computer screen and she's cheering and hollering for me. And I'm like, all of a sudden the, the theme to Rocky is going off in my uh-huh. head. I'm, I'm, I'm out there running like an idiot. I pick up, I, I must, you know, I went from like my scheduled uh, 12 minute mile to all of a sudden like a seven minute mile running like an <laughs> idiot. And I'm trying to figure out in my head how I can care, grab this sign from her and, keep running the next 70 miles with this sign because it just, it was really powerful for me. It and then magic, I thought yeah. like, all these foolish people, like at the Disney races that have these holding up these signs. And I used to laugh at them. Oh God, you know, I need to start hiring people to hold signs up because yeah, man, that's like an internal Rocky theme right there. It was, that's it was really cool. nice. Both of them. It was fantastic. Yeah. I can only echo that. It, seeing them was absolutely completely shocked because we knew they were going to be there, but we didn't expect them to have signs and stuff like that. It was amazing. Oh, nice Dean, looking signs. Oh, they were I professional were signs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, saw my the pictures goodness. on Facebook. I don't know who did the artwork. Who's the uh, artist in the crowd? Did you find out? I, you Was know, I, I didn't. I didn't ask. Okay. I, I need to find out. <laughs> I, I got the impression that it was Judy. Yeah. It could have been. They both listen, so they'll, they'll let us know here. Uh, on the Facebook groups who, who did the artwork. That's really cool. But, but you also have to think of it as, as a pay it forward. I mean, you know, hearing, you know, you talk about that, Adam is a very similar experience to the interactions that I had yeah. with you during the yeah. marathon. You know, the fact that again, I'm at like mile 24 and a half and you're jogging with me for, you know, I think we was at like the France pavilion or something like that. I'm like, okay, Greg, you know, do you need water? Do you need yeah. biofreeze? And I'm like, 
and I couldn't process that, that, you know, that you wanted to provide that much help and support, you know, in, in that moment. So again, I, I would just chalk it up to them just paying it forward. I too, agree. Cause I'm sure you probably did the exact same thing for Dean and Judy uh, during marathon weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely did. And I'll tell you, I've never had a pacer before, but what Dean did for us pacing was absolutely amazing. Um, it, it carried us through at the end of the race for sure. He did 10 miles in the beginning and then he came back. He was supposed to meet us at mile 85. And Tony and I, it was right after we got our spirits back, you know, after the last story. And we're feeling like a million bucks. And all of a sudden, he comes up and behind us without us knowing and says, hey, guys, Tony nearly fell over because he scared the crap out of him. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, but then, you know, Dean was like, where where'd my runners go? Because you've got a lot of energy. And uh, he carried us from, he was supposed to join us at 85 and duck out at five, he ran the last over 22 miles in, just ran with us. It was amazing. I don't know if you if you saw my Facebook post on it, but it was very true. When he came to me, like I said, he had already run once with, with Adam and Tony. He went back to his hotel. He showered, got food, then came back and met me. And, you know, he's obviously, he's, he's a pretty dapper guy anyways. His hair is mm-hmm. like perfectly in place yeah. <laughs> and, and I, i'm 50 miles into this race and i look like uh i've been violated in six different ways <laughs> yeah sure and he's he's running next to me and you know i all i kept thinking in my head first was uh, i don't think i would ever do this for anyone else and then second was i'm pretty sure people are driving by and looking at the two of us and thinking Look at that really nice man helping that homeless guy out. <laughs> just, he just looks so good. I, I looked like I had been run over by a car, and he's just, you know, got a big smile. Let's go. Keep on. You're looking great. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jamie, this question is for you. Since you ran four other hundred miles before, have you ever used a pacer? Or was this your first time too? That was my first time of ever having somebody uh, with me, uh, when, when I run and usually I, I try to just internalize and, and tune everything out. And, uh, it it was, it was like eating a piece of watermelon where (laughs) it's really refreshing. You didn't expect it. And it's, it was, it was really, it was, it was neat. It was a neat experience. I I know Dean appreciates that. I know it meant a lot to him. Uh, He had, I had run into him at Disney world prior and he was talking about it. He was pretty excited about it. So, I know he was glad to be able to help. He's already signed up for me with me for next year. So uh, I think he's going to try to pace uh, a whole lot next year. Okay. I'm going to be there too. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm not making any commitments. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will make this commitment to you. I'm not running a hundred miler. Now, would I participate as part of a team? Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Well, it's interesting because after your you were explaining all of the times that you had kind of hit a wall and you were saying, oh, after the first marathon, <laughs> I was having dehydration issues. And then after the second marathon, I had these, you know, so it's like the fact that you want to do it again makes me think it was an awesome experience in the long run for you guys. Can you talk a little bit about some of your favorite parts of it and how it felt to cross the finish line? Some of the favorite parts, you know, every time we'd see crew, seeing the people we, we, you know, we went along, just seeing the ocean and running the sites. It is a truly unique race. Um, nothing like it from from that perspective out there that, that I'm, I'm aware of. Um, 
so a lot of positives there, a lot of hardships through the night. But when we came around the corner going into the finish line, um, there, there's a long uh, rock wall or, or cement wall that you run along on Key West, like the last four miles. That was extremely brutal because it was day two and the sun was coming up and it was zero shade and hotter. Um, so I, I thought I missed our crew because the last stop is like 2.1 miles out. And I was like, do we miss them? Where are they? I need ice. I'm dying. <laughs> and we finally saw them. And I was like, thank goodness. We picked it up. We got to them. I said, give me all the ice you got that you can fit in this thing. Put it in my hands, put it in my hat, put it on me and we're going. And we did everything we could to keep moving forward. That was the mantra of the whole race was keep moving forward. And for the finish line, you turn down towards Higgs, uh, Higgs Beach. And my uh, my wife and kids have, have never been able to be at a finish line before because, you know, Disney can't really get near it and all that stuff. And they were there for this one. When I turned the corner and saw them, I lost it. I was absolutely in tears crying the whole last quarter mile. And then when we turned into the archway, I was, I was done. I was it. I was hugging everybody, crying everywhere. I was a mess. Uh, it was wonderful. Loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Amazing experience to finally cross that line. It was such a, a, a gratifying um, thing to do. For me, uh, somebody posted in the, in the Galloway Facebook page uh, uh, an article about uh, when you get into the distance it becomes euphoric and you, you find this place. And I don't know if it was the same way for Adam. I, I got to seven mile a, a little bit later than he did. Uh, it was dark when I got there. Um, that's to answer your question. The reason that, that I keep doing it, there's a moment. Uh, and for me, it was when I hit the seven mile. And if you look at my stats, I ran, the fastest I had run the entire race, the last uh, 12, 13 miles. Uh, when I hit that seven mile, the, the 15 knot breeze that he's talking about, um, it's, it, I took the headphones out and you just, you see the stars, the clarity of the sun, of the sky out there. And you just, for me, I just found this place Um where I wasn't running anymore and I wasn't in a hundred mile race and I wasn't hurting anymore and I wasn't hungry. Uh, there wasn't craziness in the world. Life was just the way that it was supposed to be. And for me, it was, it, it's that moment that I'm always chasing. Um, and, uh, I'll never stop. That's pretty impressive, Jamie. That's wow. Um, I want, uh, we're, we're at a point I want to wrap it up guys, but before we do, We've talked about your support crews, uh, but I want to give each one of you a chance. I don't know if they're listeners or not, but they'll be listening because they know you're on this one. Uh, Jamie, let's start with you. You got anybody by name you want to thank? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, as silly as it sounds, you know, Adam and Tony, I I didn't know them until maybe two months before the race. And I I didn't even know when we started the race, but I got – so much from them. I had run this race a hundred times in my head and I had done it physically several times. And so when I was talking to them, I, I knew everything about the race, but the reality is, is that I, I took so much from, from the two of them. I mean, I could say all I can about the, the wonderful gesture that Dean and 
and, and Judy made. And but um, I really, I mean, when we started this conversation, we talked about. I, I mentioned doing this, looking at a van and seeing the the the, the look on people's faces. I'm sorry that Tony isn't here, uh, but I'll tell you that from the start of that race all the way through. Tony had that look in his, you know, the Rocky called it the eye of the tiger. You just knew there was nothing that was going to stop Tony. He was going to finish that race. Uh, there was just nothing that was going to stop him. And you saw in Adam's face, he's trying to process the math of this thing and food, you know, the math of all of it. Whereas Tony was like, you can light me on fire, cut my arms <laughs> off. I am going to finish this race. And so, I mean, I stole a whole bunch of their ideas and I, I was really thankful for that. I was shockingly intimidated. You can't get, you see Adam in, on the screen, but he's about seven and a half feet tall. He has calves like Fred Flintstone. They're, I've never seen anything like it. He, his calves are the size of my head. Um, <laughs> So that was really the, you know, in, in the back of my head, the 20 miles, the 20 miles, 20 miles. It was, I mean, I got so much out of the two of them. Um, and I had done this race a, a ton of, and knew a ton of people that were in the race again. Uh, but I really got a lot out of them. I probably got more out of them than I did um, uh, with any of the other resources. So I was really very thankful for that. Great stuff, Jamie. You, you said your wife was your crew. What's your wife's name, Jamie? Blake. Blake, nice yeah, job, she, Blake. She got the uh, she got the, the 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 guy's name, and I got the girl's name. But she's actually done this race <laughs> several times. And oh, really? Uh, yes, yes. She's the girl. I met a girl. Oh yeah, this of course. Whole running yeah. thing started. She's the wow. girl. Um, so yeah, I keep doing this stupid thing, also hoping that one day I will earn her respect, uh, which. I'm never going to run as fast as she does. All right. <laughs> Blake, we'll have you on next month. That sounds good. Yes. Jamie, or Jamie, I'm sorry. Adam, the same thing. Anybody you want to shout out? Oh, man. Uh, not, I, I know I'll always forget someone, but um, uh, that's just, that's our, just, yeah. I, it, the, the crew that, 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 that serviced us for the whole race was amazing. Jamie um, mentioned it earlier. They go through so much. The same amount of time, and we it took. We finished in twenty eight hours, uh, forty six minutes and eleven seconds. That's how long it went, and they were there the whole time, and didn't stop, didn't didn't complain. You could see them getting tired. We only caught them once when they were in the car napping, and we came up and they were like, "Oh, you you caught us." <laughs> <laughs> so I can't thank them enough. Um, so my dad was the crew chief, pop pop, yeah. Um, and then we had Gail, who was a, a, a co-worker of mine I met um, in a previous job in Texas when I was there. He flew out uh, to support us just for the race. And my, uh, my nephew, Nick, uh, who was our videographer and became our third set of hands all over the place. So the three of them did a killer job uh, crewing. I, I can't miss thanking Coach Chris for all the coaching from before and through it. And even at mile nine, when we called him, um, that was uh, monumental uh, for, for all that. Dean and Judy for everything, Dean for running all those miles. And then, you know, back home, my wife, uh, The Rock, uh, taking care of what, who we call our two little Krakens. Um, they, uh, they, they're always a handful, but anytime we go out for a long run, um, you know, she's, she's got to, 
you know, wrap them up and keep them under control. So, um, you know, across the board, can't thank enough from medical staff and stuff to help along the way. So it was all sorts of people, but, uh, but yeah, huge thank you to everybody. I know I'm missing people. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's the problem when you start to name names, you, you leave somebody out, but the folks who are there for you, they understand that they, they know that you didn't mean to do it and that you appreciate them guys. Oh man. I mean, I'm, I'm tired just talking and you guys ran a hundred miles, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, uh, it's an amazing, amazing accomplishment. Uh, um, we're, we're proud of both of you. We're sorry. Tony couldn't join us. We're proud of him too. And, uh, just thanks for being with us. We, we appreciate it. We enjoyed it. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Amazing. So Adam and Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. That was such an all inspiring story, you know, hearing about your race experience and what I find really cool about that event is, you know, as we were doing the interview, you know, I'm you know trying to get a little tidbits, you know, from the the race website and everything like that. And what I found interesting was that the course map actually goes in reverse. You know, if you look at any traditional course map, you know, say it's a half marathon, you know, you go in sequential order, one, two, three, four, five, you know, all the right, way to thirteen right. or something like that. On this, it was the countdown because I find it appropriate that with the keys one hundred. You know, you're finishing the race in Key West, Florida, where you're at, you know, the famous mile marker zero that everyone mm-hmm. loves getting the picture taken at. And for that area to be the finish line of such a amazing yet grueling event, I think it's very serendipitous. Uh, so I will say, I think I got some race FOMO now. Now, granted, I'm never doing 100 miles, but I think it's definitely something that, you know, you can look into in the future, which, um, you know, hopefully Bob has a really good idea for us, but. We'll, we'll, we'll see. keep that in our back pocket for now. You know, I've mentioned before that I have a lot of fun sometimes just watching a little dot move forward on a map. And I also uh, enjoy the fact that I get a great thrill out of some some of my fellow runners' successes. I've talked about it before. And that happened here, too. I was, I mean, I was up all hours. I was up off and on. I'm checking on him at two o'clock in the morning. And I, I told you, I, during the interview, I, I mentioned that, uh, I was up before they took off at five 30 texting back and forth with Tony and with uh, Adam. But I, I really felt great when Tony and Adam finished. I, I felt compassion for Jamie not finishing, but I didn't feel sorry for him. He's a good guy. He knows what he's doing and he put his best effort forward and there's really nothing to feel sorry for. He, he just, I mean, my goodness, he did a tremendous job. But one thing struck me, not only in this interview, but in talking with these guys after they finished or reading what they wrote on Facebook. And that's the humility that they showed that, all three of them could not thank their support groups enough, could not give them enough credit and just realized, recognized that, yeah, you got to go out there and do the miles yourself. Nobody does that for you. But if you don't have that backing, whether it's the support crew who are actually there or whether it's the folks back here who they know are cheering for them, for them, cheering for them, you can't do it by yourself. That's kind of a lesson to take into Dopey too, guys, or into any of our marathon weekend training. 
And we'll talk more about that as it goes along. You have to do the miles, but there's going to be a support team that's going to help you out. So I just uh, really thrilled for all the guys who did that. Uh, Tony and Adam for finishing and Jamie for an expression I used to hear in the military a lot for having the guts to try. So thanks guys. Okay. Uh, real quick, uh, upcoming next week, Greg Patterson's with us. Greg is the shoe expert at Fidipides, Jeff Galloway's store in Atlanta. Uh, we got a list of questions for Greg, pretty good list, but there's still time. That, uh, thread is on our Facebook Rise and Run podcast group page. And we've got a thread up for Mr. Galloway, who will be with us on June 30th. If you got a question you would like Jeff to answer, write it down there. We'll do our best. I can't promise. We get a lot of questions, and I can't promise we'll get them all in. But we'll do our best to get our questions in for Jeff. I'm looking, I haven't talked to Jeff for a while. I'm looking forward to talking with him. Okay, my friends, it's time for the race report. All right, let's start with one. I meant to mention this a week ago. Our friend Allison withdrew from the Chicago Marathon. Now, why do I mention that? Allison, you may or may not remember, is the woman who finished the 10K and the 10-miler at the springtime surprise In the while wearing a boot. So. Oh. She did. So if Allison had to withdraw from Chicago, you got to know. You got to know that was a tough call. So I feel bad for her. I sent her a note on Facebook. She seems to be in good spirits. She's taking it the right way. And she's preparing for her next event, which right off the top, I can't remember what it is. Uh, let's take a look at who ran last week. Quite a few, actually. Uh, let's start with Joanne who finished the Soldier Field 10-miler in Chicago. Her husband helped her out by pacing for, I think, the whole thing, if not the whole thing, at least a part of it. Um, now, he helped, although she said she wanted to punch him in the face. Now, what? That, come on, Joanne, what kind of way is that to be? Um, she said she listened to the Rise and Run podcast, and when she heard her name, in the race report, it gave her an extra shot of energy. And she posted some good photos on the Facebook page. Now, the one thing that she forgot to mention in her post, and and please let us know, because this is very, very important. What type of deep dish did you get in order to celebrate? Because in my mind, there was only one correct answer of the correct establishment to go to. But I'm going to make sure uh, she tells us the right one. So we're looking forward to hearing that answer. Yeah, yeah. All right, Joanne, which was it? We'll be we'll be looking forward to hearing that. And don't punch your husband in the face. That's no way to be. <laughs> uh, over in the UK, the Edinburgh Marathon. Our friend Rob ran the ran the uh, Edinburgh. Didn't get the results he was looking for. And I understand this. It, running is a very individual sport. You can do what I think is an excellent time. And Rob did finish in an excellent time. I think it was in the I think right around three hours and 20 minutes, which is a mighty fast marathon as far as I'm concerned. But I know that wasn't his goal. So while that's still excellent, excellent, I know he is looking for a different result. Uh, I think his tired legs got the best of him. We had talked about Rob the last couple of weeks doing back-to-back 5Ks and like that. I think that might have got the best of him. But that's still 
a mighty good run. Now his next event is next marathon is Chicago. I hope that works out for him. That's a fast course. Chicago is. So they tell me anyway, I think Jack might know. I'm not sure. Jack's Jack's shaking her head. It's definitely it a fast course, except for yeah. that hill at the end. Otherwise, at the end, at the very solid. end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, that's the last one there. Anyway, Rob, good job. I like Rob. I appreciate uh, reading Rob's reports. In Ottawa, Canada, Tara PR'd the half marathon in the Ottawa race weekend. Some nice photos of that event also. Congratulations, Tara. Nice job. The Wayland Memorial 10K in Ventnor City, New Jersey. Now, if, you, if you're a Monopoly fan, Ventnor Avenue should be familiar to you. And I was wondering, looking at it, is Ventnor Avenue part of Atlantic City? Well, it is, but Ventnor City is a city a little bit south of AC in New Jersey. But Bruce finished that, put some photos out, said it was a straight out and back flat course, and he's got some nice pictures up there. Uh, Our buddy Jeff in Fishers, Indiana, ran the Honor the Brave 5K. Great looking medal for that event really sharp for a 5k well for any distance really it's a nice medal most 5ks don't have medals that nice the memorial day 5k in marietta georgia our friend david finished that one in just a little over 31 minutes that's a good time on that one by the way he looked nothing like darth vader because last week when i said i thought it was david who addressed darth vader it was actually Derek. These D names, I get confused easily. Judy, I didn't see any pictures from Judy. Did uh, two 5Ks this week, one in Oldsmar, Florida, the Honor Our Heroes Memorial 5K, and then the Trinity Memorial Day 5K in Trinity, Florida. So Judy finished those. I feel confident. And the last one I have on my list is the Hunger Run 5K in Cincinnati, Ohio. Susan ran that one. Susan said... This was not my best finish, but by golly, she finished in the top 10% overall in the race with a pretty solid time. So good job all. Uh, Let's take a look at what's coming up this week. On Friday, over in the United Kingdom, the Hatfield Broad Oak 10K, the Queen's Jubilee Edition race. That sounds pretty cool. Our friend Amy over there is running that one. I think that would be pretty neat. I think there's a neat post-race celebration after that one. Again, looking for photos, Amy. Amy's pretty good about posting photos for us. We're looking forward to that. Uh, Best damn race, leftover 5K, Safety Harbor, Florida. Dean and Judy are going to be there. I'm thinking about riding up there. That's only about 30 minutes away from the house. Right up there, Dean and Judy. I've got two family members who are running that also. Hey, Dean, we can stop at Lenny's on the way back for breakfast in Clearwater. Good place to go. Over in Central Florida, our buddy Margaret, who had been off the race report for a week or two, is back next week for the Community Rainbow Run. It's a 4.9K in Orlando, Florida. 4.9 in honor of the 49 victims of the Pulse nightclub uh, massacre from several years ago. Our buddy Joe, is running the Honor and Duty 5K in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Here's one I picked up, although he didn't uh, list it. 
Coach Twiggs, Chris Twiggs, is running a marathon this weekend. It's either Ravel or Revel. I think it's probably the Ravel. It's a series of races. This is the Rockies Marathon in Denver, Colorado. The unique, the unique part of this one, it's an all-downhill marathon. It starts up about 11,000 feet and finishes down around 6,000. I know Chris is using this for a Boston qualifier, and I'm sure he'll do quite well. So we'll be watching for that. Ruth is out in San Diego, California, doing the Rock and Roll Half Marathon, Rock and Roll San Diego. Brianna has the Dairy Air, two words, not one, Dairy Air, 13.1, in Doylestown, <laughs> Greg, not far from you. Uh, case oh, Now, this one I don't understand. Casey, okay. Heidi, Jen, and Shannon, that's Smashley, by the way, are doing the Bank Newport 10-miler in Newport, Rhode Island. There's a name missing from that list. Yeah, those are my friends. <laughs> I know, but I don't see your name on there. What's up with that? I am... I am going to be uh, cheering them on Good. and I'm taking some time off so that I can be really ready for the Stopey training when it happens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It took a I lot. It took a lot not to sign up for that race. Oh, I'll it's bet. Cause I recognize all of those names. And I <laughs> yeah. said, wait a minute. I actually wrote it down and I know whether Casey or Heidi responded and said, yeah, she's not unable to do this one, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck to them. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. The last one I have here, this is perfectly appropriate since we were just talking about a 100-mile race. Our buddy Chad, on June 4th and 5th, is running the 24-hour Eagle Up Ultra in Canal Fulton, Ohio. And what Chad's, Chad is going to be attempting to run in those 24 hours is a 50-miler and a 50-kilometer run. So what's about 81 miles total in 24 hours? You guys, you guys in your ultra runs. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm impressed. I, I really am. It takes some kind of motivation that I don't have. But good luck to all. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode 34 of the Rise and Run podcast. We are always so happy that you take the time to join us. We hope you have as much fun listening as we do recording. Enjoy your training till we meet again. Happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.